Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's hear it for the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Max Williams. Williams, Williams. Love it. Sorry, that I, was my that was I was doing I was going for a new kind of woo. I like and it. I had a bottle. I'm a prop comic now. Yeah. Man. And we've gotta we've always gotta expand our horizons, try new things. There's uh, other objects in here. Yeah. No, nothing really. We're recording live. No, there's cool stuff. Uh our shoes are cool. Yeah. I, I'm Ben, you're Noel. What kind of shoes are you rocking today? Uh, I'm a Vans guy, but yeah. I've got a couple of, you know, I'm I've actually in my old uh, age become a Crocs guy. I know. To much consternation of my 15 year old old child who actually for my birthday bought me what they consider an acceptable pair of Crocs. Right, right. That's very recent development. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Max, what kind of shoes are you wearing there, man? Uh, so I have some uh, partially recycled Adidas's on because I try to only wear shoes that are at least like 40% recycled now. I'm sorry, did you say Adidas's? Adidas's. I think Adidas may well be its own plural, like sheep, like sheep, sheep. or 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 uh, Adidas. Yeah. Yeah. Adidas. Yeah. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to that because there is a reason we're talking about shoes. I, I only wear Crocs on special occasions, though. By the way, I love Vans. Uh-huh. I have a pair of Jordans. I finally got my first pair of Jordans. I like. I've you know I'm a dad, so I have some new New Balances that I wear to the gym. What are those, Ben? Those are cool looking. What are those? Uh, ben is taking yeah, his shoe off. Yeah, I was trying to figure off. it out. I, don't worry, I, I cleaned I up. I, I these know. are fresh socks. But, it says Toronto on the bottom. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't notice. Uh, these are called Hoff. Oh. No idea. Sounds no, cool. No idea. Okay, so off-brand shoes. Uh, we are, today we're talking about a, a really interesting story 
a history of logos and a history of sneakers because I I don't know if you and I aren't got like big basketball guys. Uh, so we probably don't think of, well, we're not big sports guys. We, we don't have mad boosties. We don't have mad boosties, but that's a great show. Shout out, Jack and Miles. Do we need someone to talk about uh, sports? No. Well, I'm just I, saying. I about no, no, we're good. No, <laughs> I, I'm right here. I know. <laughs> you it's are. okay. Nolan and I don't think about sneakers a bunch. So it's weird when you realize that there's some of the most recognizable brands in the entire world, like the Nike swoosh. The swoosh, yeah, or like the Pepsi swirl, mm-hmm. you know, the, the McDonald's golden arches, uh, the Rolling Stones lips and tongue, which is actually kind of a rock and roll middle finger to all of that kind of corporatization and, and logo, mm-hmm. you know, slinging. Yeah, exactly, and we're going to explore the story behind some of these logos. I think we start with the big dog first, Nike. I was astonished to find, I think we all were uh, surprised to find, um, that Nike wasn't always Nike and they didn't come up with the swoosh immediately or on their own. That's right, Ben. And, and, you know, Nike now I associate more with the shoe company and the brand than I do with the uh, Greek goddess of what? See, I don't even remember what she was the Greek goddess of. Greek goddess of of victory. Victory, yeah. Um, But obviously that's what uh, Nike is named after and has taken over the associations uh, with that word entirely along with that that iconic, it's a check mark. But it's curvy, you know? It, it sort of makes you feel like speed. It, it has a feeling of, like, quickness or, or, like, like you know, disappearing, like, with a flash. Like, that's the vapor trail you leave behind yourself or something, Yeah, right? it's, it's supposed to be like a wing. It feels dynamic. So, uh, back in the day, when these two guys start the company that will become Nike, they're track and field bros. It's Bill Bowerman and Phil Knight. In 1964 they combine their powers because Bill used to be a track and field coach at the University of Oregon. And this guy, Phil Knight, was his student back in the day. They got together and they started a company called Blue Ribbon Sports, which would have been amazing for Paps Blue Ribbon a few decades later. Bill Bowerman, you think people called him Bilbo for fun? Probably, yeah. It depends on how funny he was. I would have been cool with that. Um, yeah, and you know, Nike is still based in Oregon today. I actually didn't realize that until pretty recently. Um, but in 1964, they started this Blue Ribbon Sports, which is, it's just not sexy. What does that say? It sounds like a kind of a mom and pop sporting goods store where you might get like baseball tees printed for your little league. Yeah, and I, I associate Blue Ribbon uh, with awards, with culinary awards. Exactly. Like Blue Ribbon uh, jam. Pie yeah. or Jam or something. Pie Jam. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe not the best association now, but we get what they're talking about. First place is what they're, they're sure. saying. Sure. sure. Or, you know, the prized pig at the fair. And initially, this Blue Ribbon Sports, um, they did have a logo, but it was something... I, I actually wasn't super familiar with, but it kind of makes sense. Uh, something called a letter mark. Um, so they basically just had these initials, BRS, um, that were sort of, you know, laced together on top of uh, the company's word mark. Which What's is a word mark, you might ask? Different than a letter mark. Uh, exactly. A word mark is basically a typographic treatment. It is a font 
typically would need to be proprietary font, like a custom sure. design font. If you use some, you know, we talked about this, I think, on the fonts episode. Mm-hmm. Like how, well, actually, you know, what's funny is uh, I believe the logo that Mr. Elon Musk has chosen for his new social media X. app, X, is actually like some sort of hexadecimal code from a, a set of characters that is completely untrademarkable. And he just hasn't gotten that far in his thinking yet. He just like shoved it out there. So oh you, yeah, you need you can't make a, a a logo for your company in Comic Sans and then register that as a, as a word mark, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And gosh, I had so much fun on the font episode, particularly when we got to the story of the Wingding guy. It was a font of conversation. It was. It was. And. <laughs> well, Max is just letting us know he put a drum a drum beat in there. Um, and these logos are important. They communicate with the world in uh, multiple ways. You know, it, it kind of hacks your brain. So even the most simplistic appearing logos have a lot of thought put behind them. Probably one of the most famous word marks is FedEx. And if you have somehow not heard this, folks, the reason the FedEx logo is so impressive is because if you look at it, you'll realize that they built in an arrow. That's right. Yeah, it, it's a hidden arrow. It's an arrow that's created by the negative space, I believe. And and that's the thing. I mean, you, you mentioned all the work and research and all that stuff. A lot of money goes into these seemingly simple and innocuous creations, too. Logo design is a, a massive uh, expenditure for a company because they put re- research and development into it. They do focus testing and all kinds of things. Um, sometimes it's crowdsource, which, you know, if you, if you remember the episode of Silicon Valley where uh, Gavin Belson was trying to crowdsource what his signature would look like on the new The Box. (laughs) And the most popular one looked like a giant penis. And he (laughs) did not clock it, like, at all. Um, And the the irony was that he was going to have his own signature crowdsourced. Because his actual signature, apparently everyone said it made him look like a sociopath. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the tricky thing uh, about crowdsourcing anything. Shout out to Bodie McBoatface. Uh, so these guys didn't crowdsource, but they did, they did understand that the, their branding was important. So Blue Ribbon Sports, BRS, uh, people are wearing their burrs, I guess you could call them, uh, and they're buying them from out of the back of this guy's car in the very beginning. And they say, look, our branding is fine, but it seems pretty complicated. We don't want people to have to think and process a lot. We want them to see something, identify it with us, and buy the shoes. So in 1971, they get together and they decide to change the name of their brand. They land on Nike after the Greek goddess of victory. Mm-hmm. And over time, they got to the Nike swoosh. But the question is, how did they get there? How did, who, who came up with the idea? Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right. No, it's it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. Cement Mobile for details. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com where America goes to hire. Well, uh, it wasn't crowdsourced, but it was kind of a homework assignment for somebody. Yes. Like, I believe it was a young graphic design student who was studying under somebody that knew the Nike guys, and then it was sort of like, hey, we're, 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 these guys are looking for a thing. Here's an opportunity for you to get some real-world uh, design experience mm-hmm. and, you know, some billable hours, um, which I think in the 70s, the going rate was something like $7 an hour, and that was, like, pretty decent That was pay. still kind of a sweet deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're right, man. She was a student at Portland State University, And she started as a journalism major, if I recall correctly, and then took a design course just on a lark. Carolyn Davidson, by the way. Oh, yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, This this brilliant designer does also have a name. She gets her bachelor's degree eventually in 1971. So the story way we heard it is that Phil Knight, remember that former student who had started, uh, started a company, he was teaching an accounting class at the university and he overheard Carolyn Davidson say like complaining that oil painting supplies were expensive. And so he said, look, you can come work with me. uh, Why don't you create some charts and do some graphs and stuff like this? Because I've got Japanese executives coming in. I need to impress them. Japanese people love charts and graphs. It is known. I think most people like a good graph. I'm a sucker for an infographic. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it's like, I like ones that like convey very little information. To, to jump in here, actually, guys, uh, 
we were here in the studio, and right before we got uh, recording, uh, we were, I ran into two of our coworkers, another Ben, Ben Juster and Alex. And I was like, hey, how was y'all's meeting? He's like, good. There's a PowerPoint. I'm like, ooh, I like PowerPoint. <laughs> I'm that guy. Okay. We should, like, have a podcast where we just critique PowerPoints. Verbally. I would, yeah, let's yes, do please. it. Let's do it. Uh-huh. I love that, how easily that will work on an audio medium. Exactly. Or, you know, we have cameras in one of these studios now. We could just, no. no. no my pitch is it's purely audio. Okay. I, I will I will accept that pitch if we can also kind of make this our, our home-based studio, like Max was saying, and get just a, a cartoonish, like an offensively large picture of a very complicated graph. Mm, if we're going to have room with the grandfather clock. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. You see it, right? Yeah. You see it. You do see it. Okay. (laughs) I have a question, man. It seems like this is one of these apocryphal kind of tales where it's almost the stuff of legend where like, as we, you know, a minute ago we were saying that it was almost like a competition where they looked at several options, you know, and that there were some like design students that were sort of tapped for this. But then there's this version of the story where it's like the benevolent knight, you know, in between his accounting classes while being the CEO of a burgeoning footwear empire is is, is like kindly offers to pay her $2 an hour so she can buy paint. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Earlier we had said... Um, is we wanted to get back to this, so we said seven dollars an hour. That's a really sweet yeah, gig. Yeah, I was, I was, I was overshooting significantly. Well, you know, m- maybe Phil did pay her that much. Maybe that'd be cool. So here's what happens. Uh, the way we understand it is the swoosh design is reluctantly chosen out of several options. And and Car- Carolyn, like anybody who's been a freelance graphic designer, you know how this works. Mm-hmm. You have to come in with several uh, comps, comparisons. People look at them. They tell you what they do or don't like. And according to Nike's own website, when Phil Knight first saw the swoosh, he said, I don't love it, but it, it'll grow on me. See, I find that to be pretty forward thinking. Honestly, because I mean, sure, you know, they weren't what we know of the Nike empire today. They were still on their way to that thing, right? They were still a little bit yeah. smaller, scrappy operation. Sure. So they probably needed to move quickly. They wanted to like get this this thing chosen so they could move on. They probably didn't even quite see the significance of it at the time. Yeah. But to be able okay. to say, you know, maybe this isn't perfect, but Let's let's roll with it because I think it could grow on me, and then it, it's become the most one of the most iconic, you know, brand marks mm-hmm. of all time. Just so recognizable. But then you have to ask yourself: Is that because it's really good, or just because we've been seeing it for so long? That's the question. Sort of a chicken and the, and the egg kind of thing, right? Uh, so it's nuts because they just happened to choose this curve check mark, and it had Nike in hand-drawn script across it. You can see a picture of this as well. Uh, the, uh, the reason it's a, the swoosh is supposed to be reminiscent of several things, of accomplishment and of wings, because the goddess Nike was known for being a personification of victory, and she had a wingspan. She could fly. Oh, she had wings. Yeah, she had wings. Oh, you know what? You might recognize uh, some famous sculptures of her where her head is conspicuously missing, and it's just like the wings and, and no arms. There's definitely some some statues of Nike that didn't make it. Uh, you may, might even have some in your local art museum. Um, but that's right. I always would. I guess when I think of the wings and shoes, 
I think of the guy with the winged shoes. Yeah. Who is that? Uh, Hermes. Hermes. Mm-hmm. Is Hermes not cool is enough name for a shoe company? I mean, he, you know, he's got a past. I no, mean, I'm kidding. I mean, isn't Hermes in charge of, like, the River Styx and, like, hell, basically? No, that's no. Um, that's somebody else. The, the, <laughs> that's the boatman. Uh, Hades. Hades. Yeah. Hey, okay, Hermes, Hades. You, you can get you, you can get the confusion. Hermes yeah. is a character in Futurama, but yeah, Hermes. I, I, didn't we do a, uh, an Illumination Global Unlimited ad years ago about her, a Hermes mop? Yes, written by our pal Lauren Vogelbaum. That's right. Yeah, yeah that check, was a weird one. Check that episode <laughs> out. But anyway, they go with Nike. She's got wings too. Again, I would go with Hermes because I think he's got wings literally on his shoes already. That's pretty. That's that's a really good point. Seemed like a missed opportunity, but yeah. Nike it is. They got the swoosh. I can see it now. The swoosh represents sort of the curve of the wing. I'd never really associated it with a wing. I think I always, in my mind, envisioned it as like the sort of blur that's left behind as you're sprinting. You know I, what I yeah. mean? Yeah, and I think that's valid. I also thought of it, growing up, I always thought of it as like, check, that's done. Yeah. You've accomplished you're that good. thing. We found out the uh, name of the the name of this check mark, the swoosh, it's a bit of onomatopoeia. It's supposed to be, just like you mentioned, Noel, it's supposed to be reminiscent of the whoosh sound that the shoes make when they're running by you. Got it. Okay. So that's the thing about logos is they conjure a lot of associations and connections in the mind of, of the viewer. You know, you can obviously help feed those associations with the actual products the company makes and, sure. with, you know, advertising campaigns and all of that stuff. But over a long enough time, brand names and, and brand images really can start to have a very powerful impact, you know? Yes. And we're going to see that uh, in, in another example of another kind of athletics clothing slash fashion company, you know, because a lot of these brands that started off as like, you know, for runners and athletes have really become like streetwear and like like super sure. high fashion and all these crazy collaborations with like designers and influencers and, you know, pop cultural folks. And- Sh- uh, the, the fashion house Chanel makes sneakers. Mm-hmm. I did not know. Yeah. Have you ever seen any of those horrible Balenciaga sneakers that are like 10,000 bucks a pop and look like they're just covered in hot glue? I kind of want those red Mario boots. Uh, he, no, the Mario <laughs> boots, you do not. All right, uh, you get those. I'll get the yellow Crocs versions. And we have nice. to rock them together on the same day and walk with our arms linked up. All right, but Max has to be in too. Max, you got to get weird He can shoes. throw rose petals behind. <laughs> oh, oh, but what, what weird shoes am I going to get? I mean, I have a friend who's really into uh, elevator shoes. So I might get some elevator shoes and be like, you know, walking behind y'all being like 6'4". Are those like platform shoes? Yeah, they're yeah, like elevator the platform shoes. shoes. Yeah. Like Herman Munster shoes? Yeah. I have a friend, she, uh, she's about 5'4", and she wears uh, 8-inch elevator mm-hmm. shoes. My, my kid wears some kind of Herman Munster-y type clod hoppers. Yeah, I've got I, I've got some uh, old boots that I wear around. I You got to be careful, though, because when we come into the office, man, I can't walk in wearing combat boots. It seems strangely on purpose and indicative of things that I am not attempting to put out into the office. It's anarchy, man. I almost wore my Crocs to the office today, but you then, should. I, then I just thought, I, I absolutely should and have no problem doing it, but I just thought, not yet, it's too soon. You guys stop to. letting your kid push you around. Oh, they got me this. It's got a little Mario Kart, uh, what do you call those things? Little fidget guys on it, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go yeah, in yeah. the holes. Yeah, there's a word for those. There is. You told me. And I can't remember Okay, now. well, we'll get to it. But, the, but here's what we want you to know about this design, about Davidson. At this point, we might think this is yet another story of a creative person kind of getting, getting the short shrift from these immoral corporate folks. 
taking credit for the work she did and so on. But luckily, that's not exactly the case here. Davidson, who is, who is alive today, maintains that she doesn't know how long she worked on the swoosh. Um, but she doesn't know how much she billed them, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. How much did she build them? I think it was like for 17 and a half hours uh, at the rate of $2 an hour, which is uh, 35 bucks that she got in the check uh, for this job, um, which I did inflation calculator it so we can do a boop. And a boop. In today's dollars, it's $267.36, which still is like low. Like yeah. for a design job, usually a designer today for that kind of work would probably be getting 50 to $100 an hour on a like freelance, like low end mm, kind of. I would like think. help make, you know, blue ribbon trophies, the mom and pop. Sure. Story. Yeah. So this unfortunately is a pretty common story. It often happens in the world. But Davidson's tale ends a little bit differently. She didn't profit immediately from her work designing this thing, which she did do on her own. But eventually the company came back and gave her a proper thing. Thank you. They threw a huge party in her honor, and I think they gave her stock. They did, worth upwards of a million bucks, which is cool. What does eventually mean, though, by the way? Are we talking like the 25th anniversary of the swoosh or like a couple years later? Yeah, that's a good question, man. Uh, Did she, for instance, like, did did she write a letter? Did someone did someone get mad at them? It was nineteen eighty three, so it like ten years. Ten later. years. That's the, more than ten. But here's the thing: I don't want to derail us too much, Ben. But yeah, like, is it immoral to pay somebody the going rate for a thing that then becomes larger than life? You don't know that it's going to become larger than life. Right. They didn't. I wouldn't say they took advantage of her at all. I don't think so because you know again they're scrappy at the point they were they were working together they were they were more casual you know what I mean and and the company just wasn't yet what it had become no, no. So, and and you could argue it wasn't like the swoosh all of a sudden made Nike what it is Nike made Nike what it is and they hustled and they got huge and another aspect of this is you, you know you see this in in so many industries what like podcasting right? Because we make a lot of shows, you know, and it can be tough to tell which ones work out and it's continually mystifying. Uh, That's why for a lot of agreements in the creative world, you'll see people bake in stuff like, hey, if my little jingle turns out to be a big deal for Dell, I would like some more money. I would think that a lot of companies would really balk at that though. It is a very common negotiation tactic to give up as few, like, points on the back end of things as possible because then you're tied to somebody forever. If if it's treated like a work-for-hire situation, then it's like, we paid you your rate. You delivered us the product. Good day to you. Good day to you. Go with God. Um, But it's really cool. It worked out great. Kind of like that. What's the Flamin' Hot Cheetos guy? It was was like— The guy who invented—he was uh, a custodian. And There's a movie that just came out. Flaming Hot Cheetos. It's called Flaming Hot Cheetos. It's about the story. Stick with what works. That yeah. guy, that's but smart. Did they hook him up? Like, well, I think there was a happy ending there too, if I'm yes. not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There totally was. And those stories are inspiring. I think it's cool to hear it. Uh, they also, this is a strange flex. Uh, Phil Knight also gives Carolyn Davidson a gold and diamond ring engraved with the Nike swoosh 
Wait, like as a marriage proposal? What are we talking about? Unclear. I okay. think it was just, hey, this swoosh is good. Yeah. Remember the swoosh from earlier? <laughs> yeah. To jump in here, actually, I don't think it's, I, I don't look at, at this as weird as maybe y'all do because gold and diamond rings those are pretty common for when you win a championship. So like when, oh, when the Atlanta Braves won the World oh. Series a couple years ago, everyone up above a certain level got a World Series ring. Look like at the gold sports brain on Max. Max with the facts. Boom. Also, uh, one of the other weird things he gave her, chocolate swooshes. But anyway, I think this okay, is now just it, now nice. it's consensual. Now, now it's just I think he's being nice. He feed her half a dozen oysters while he was oh, at geez, it. Yeah. Some yeah. Yeah. Really creepy uh, foot massage. Play some Sade. You know how it goes. I love Sade. Sade is amazing. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, before we move on, Max, while we've got you, you have a bit of a Nike connection yourself, right? Yeah. So um, before I worked here at iHeartMedia making podcasts, I was an independent podcast maker myself. And my original 
co-host, this guy named Kevin Cool, literally his name, his last name is K-U-H-L. And this guy's so cool that he donated his kidney to his coworker at Nike. Yeah, he works, uh, he lives actually in Hillsborough, Oregon, works on the Nike main campus. So uh, he does not like that I wear Adidas's, I'll say that, or Adidas I. We're going to go with Adidas I? I? it's just Adidas, bro. Adidas, Adidas POTUS? So if it's the combination of Adi and Daz, right, then it could be Adidas's because it's plurals, two things Yeah, together. but it just doesn't sound right. I just say, do yeah. you wear Adidas? I wear Adidas. It's like, when like, you're talking about a brand, I don't think you have to pluralize it. Yeah, it's kind of like pants. That's like, right. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I always... It always gives me a slight chuckle when I'm talking to a a, a very aesthetically centered fashionista person. Sure. And they're like, ooh, I love this new fall pant. I love a pant. It's a, a singular pant. pant. It's just the one leg. Uh, last thing, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, being yeah. pedantic here. If it's a company that makes multiple things, you wouldn't say Adidas. You wouldn't pluralize it. you say, I'm wearing shoes by Adidas. I'm wearing a hoodie by Adidas. I'm wearing my Nike tennis shoes mm-hmm. but you also then could say nikes that's ah, see I, I don't even know what's i think so- i i i gotta tell you guys i suspect english may not be the best language I think that's probably, you think so i've been studying it for quite some yeah. time and i have at best a rudimentary grasp a lot of, of, a lot of willy-nilliness to the english language no, no question idea. about that i had one little uh personal anecdote i just wanted to mention mm. i actually worked with um nike for a little bit, developing a podcast about uh, Jordans, Air Jordans, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and like that whole story of Nike and just how they figured out how to like get in on that branding and like, oh, you know, yeah. associate themselves with this like up and coming superstar. They were like glued to Jordan from like the earliest days. And then they got him wearing his own signature red shoes, all of that stuff. There's a really cool documentary about it. Um, So I learned a lot about this stuff that I wouldn't have normally learned. So I actually propose that maybe we could even cover a larger you know, part of the Nike story because it really is pretty interesting. And there's also, you know, the connection to skateboard culture, sure. and graffiti culture, yeah. and like hip hop and all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, ridiculous in that it's ridiculously interesting. Absolutely. I agree. I think we're we're unanimous in this. The motion carries. Uh, maybe we can get ridiculous history branded sneakers one day. <laughs> Dream big, right? I'll, t- I'll talk to my buddy Kevin. Actually, one of the best things about knowing someone who works at Nike yeah. is you can go into the Nike store and everything is forty percent off. Wow, it is all like basically at cost. Hook me up. Well, maybe not at yeah. cost per se, but like it's like forty percent off. Sorry, you can go there. Like, okay, I'm gonna grab all these really nice shoes, uh-huh. and they're like. 50 bucks. Oh, snap. You just tell him you know Kevin? Yeah. Well, no, you need to have like a pass on your phone. It is intense. And like, we'll just can only go give you like with two Yeah. And, and we're like, Kevin, be cool. I bet you never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. I'll take some Air Force Ones. You can have it. He was also in an episode of Ephemeral, too. Nice. Wait, are Air Force Ones Nike? Yeah. Mm, they oh, are. Okay. Oof, good. Those uh, are the Jordans. They're a style of Jordan. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The, duh. So the swoosh first comes out on something called the Nike Cleat. It's one of the first shoes the brand ever makes with their new name. Is it, in fact, a cleat? Or is it just being clever? Because it's capitalized. So it's like the name of the shoe. But I think of a cleat as like golf shoes with the pointy things on the bottom. Soccer shoes. Soccer shoes. Or like, but some of them are pointier and sharper than others. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just rubberized. And I I would imagine that's probably more we're looking at because um, we actually also have another type of shoe called the Nike Waffle Racer. Love it. That supposedly was the original prototype was made by literally using a waffle iron to make the treads on the bottom of the shoe. 
Yeah, and it follows what Bill and Phil wanted to do in the very beginning. They wanted to make running shoes that were much lighter, that wouldn't weigh you down when you were running track and field. And the Nike Waffle Racer is still around. It's oh, a running shoe. I have yeah. a pair of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, you know, the cool thing about Nike, too, is, like, they, they're they always doing cool throwback kind of things. Oh, yeah, yeah And, yeah, like, yeah. they've got such a history. It's like Nintendo, you know, where they've got this pantheon of characters. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's, like, you know, designs from throughout the ages. And we talked about this a little bit because we're, of course, talking about design in terms of the logo. But, like, the swoosh also just integrates really well into the shoe design, you know? And they mm-hmm. have, like, different, like, colorways and stuff. And, like, the swoosh will be yellow and the shoe will be blue and all of that stuff. And, like, I think I I'm, I have actually become not a sneakerhead. Like, I don't have, like, a closet full of them, but I'm into the culture. I think it's really, really cool, and I, I appreciate the aesthetics and the design that goes into it. And Atlanta is a great city for it. Is, us. Yeah. yeah. I love this stuff too, man. And the U.S. public loved Nikes when they came out. And they there was – so there's this big thing in sneakerhead culture where the exclusive drops – are a huge, huge deal. Oh, yeah. People buy the shoes as investments. Yeah, or flip they, them. Yeah, mm-hmm. they flip them for sure. And they also may, uh, they go through two extraordinary lengths to be able to get an exclusive shoe of some sort. Ah, I just said shoe instead of shoes to our earlier point. Anyway, so this is an old pattern for Nike. Consumers saw this at the U.S. track and field Olympic trials in Oregon And they couldn't get their hands on the shoe until 1973. And everybody wanted one. At the time, you could get the Nike Cortez, which uh, came out around the Mexico Olympics in 1972. That also had the swoosh on it. Eventually, like you said, they link up with athletes. That's kind of a story for another day. They also land on some color schemes. Warm red became the color choice for the official logo. And, uh, you know, now you often see a black swoosh, but it was meant to, it was meant to hit your brain and stay in your brain. And a lot of graphic design professionals have studied this right in depth. Uh, (laughs) It's like got a golden ratio-ness of it all, you know? And if if you think about like some of the most, um, I guess, sticky brands, you know, over the years, oftentimes they have these concentric circles when you break them down, like Mm -hmm. the, like the Apple logo, it's all concentric circles. If you really like plot it with like a compass or whatever. Um, And I'm sure this is part of a school of design that I'm not aware of that was like being taught, you know? I did not know this is a job, but it is a dream job for someone. And Max, this might be uh, a dream job for you, man. We want to introduce you to Todd Radom. Radom? Radom? R-A-D-O-M. He, his job is to design sports logos, sports-related logos. He's a veteran. That's all he does. I didn't know that could be someone's career. That's pretty wild. I'll say that's cool and all, but guys, I have found the job that I want, and it involves being with you too. That's really sweet, Max. We love you, too. Yeah. <laughs> Will do. Shout out to all the cool teachers playing this for your students. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm probably going to have to beep that one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But you can also, you, you could keep my uh, disgusted astonishment, if you wish. And then people <laughs> will just have to use their imagination as to what you said.
It does feel like an emotional roller coaster when you edit it that way. Awesome. God, I want to buy some shoes. I'm looking, I'm just like Googling images of Nikes. And now I'm just like, <laughs> these are so cool looking. I, there's a Nike store in the building where we used to work. Oh, uh, that's right. City Market. Yeah. And so it's a good one. Um, and uh, they often, you know, get these drops that we're talking about. There's also, you mentioned the whole like sneaker culture and flipping and all that. There's a really neat place in Los Angeles and uh, on Melrose called Flight Club, uh-huh. which first of all is an awesome name. Um, and and that's the kind of place where you go to see like classics, you know, and just, you know, the early Jordans and whatever. And it's just, you know, they, they're thousand dollars sometimes, you know, for these like vintage uh, pairs or these specialty limited edition things. Because the genius and a lot of brands do this like Supreme and, you know, whatever is scarcity. They do right. these limited edition yes. drops or collaborations with artists, and they only make so many. There's like a pair of Jordans that's like Ben and Jerry's theme that I think are some of the most sought-after ones that you can find. Yeah. We, you know what? That's what we should wrap up on because full disclosure, folks, we wanted to explore some more sneaker logos, but I think we all three of us got so into the, the Nike story that we're going to— keep this one just with Nike. Uh, I've got some fun anecdotes about Reebok pumps. Uh, <laughs> we'll save that uh, for an episode in the future. But for now, Noah is thinking a good way for us to end is to look at a ridiculous list of the most expensive Nikes in the world. I'm just going to ruin it. Number one is uh, the solid gold OVO Air Jordan $2 million. Jeez Louise. And the shoes are kind of useless. And the, the shoe that I was just talking about, by yeah, the way, Ben, yeah, yeah. the the Ben and Jerry's, they're called Dunks. Uh-huh. And they, they're kind of cow prints on the side. They sort of like have the, the, the blue sky and grass kind of logo that you see on a Ben and Jerry's thing and then the yellow swoosh. I'm seeing pairs uh, up upwards of $1,800 because apparently they were just done in such limited supply. Yeah. The uh, here's the thing though, I I think that counts a little better toward our stats than the oh, solid gold OVO Air Jordan. As any hip hop fan knows, when you heard me say OVO, that is Drake. Uh, in 2016, Drake spent two million dollars to get these custom Air Jordans, and the shoes are made of solid gold. Jeez, so please. you can't really do anything with them except like look at them and say oh look upon my sneaks you mighty <laughs> do you remember when nike came out with the like back to the future 2 nike shoe that was like the ones where he they automatically lace up like you know he puts them on they kind of look like ski boots but they did briefly have a very limited drop of uh of these nike you know Back to the Future shoes. And once again, uh-huh. this is a company that got in on the ground floor of pop culture to the point where they get to put out a version of their shoe that was in a movie. You yeah. know? I mean, like, truly. I think also, like, Ripley and, and Alien was wearing Nikes. Sure. You know? Like, they just... They've, they've been in it from the start and, and were masters of cross-promo and brand. Yes. Really good at product placement. Um incredibly imaginative. And by the way, those Back to the Future shoes uh, now go for about $58,000. We want to continue exploring the story of not just the Nikes, but of course, Adidas, 
uh, as we as we've been discussing for a while. So we'll get back with that. But for now, uh, thank you, of course, to Mrs. Davidson uh, for designing a logo that changed the world. And thanks to our research associate, Jeff Bartlett. Thanks to our super producer, uh, Mr. Max Too Fast Williams. Huge thanks to Alex Williams uh, as well. Yes, uh, they are related. Uh, uh, who composed our theme. Christopher Osteotis here in spirit. He's Jeff Coates roaming the wide world of podcasts uh, wherever she may be. Yeah, yeah, big, big thanks to Gabe Luzier. And of course, thanks to Jonathan Strickland, a.k.a. The Quister. I wonder what kind of kind of tennis shoes do you think? Jesus, Louis Vuitton, Nike Airs. $352,000. The Nike mag was, uh, oh no, the Waffle Racing Flat Moon Shoe, $437,500. Unbelievable. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.